Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Okay, we are here today with another episode of the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist and Host. We are joined once again by Dr. Justin Dubin. Dr. Dubin is a board-certified urologist and he's an outspoken advocate of promoting accurate medical and sexual health information on the internet. Dr. Dubin, thank you once again for being with us. Mark, it's great to be back. I really enjoyed our, our talk the first time, and I'm really excited to talk about this topic on social media because I think it is really, really important that uh, our listeners understand this. Yes. So um, for our listeners who have not heard the previous episode on um, the internet, internet search and you know erectile dysfunction, should I Google this? It really would be helpful to go back and listen to that. Today, we're going to be talking about social media. And you know, social media, I think is a little bit different in a certain sense than search um, because I think the access to um, information that comes from individuals and comes from people's stories is a lot more um, accessible on the social media platforms as compared to um, these internet search um, platforms. So I want to see if we can get into really understanding more about the social media side of things. Now, just to get us started, Dr. Dubin, how prevalent in your experience would you say is the dissemination of medical misinformation and in particular about erectile dysfunction on these social media platforms? It is insanely prevalent. So, you know, just to give you guys a background, in 2022, 80% of U.S. adults use at least one social media site. And, you know, we previously talked about Dr. Google, but we're really seeing this shift uh, from Dr. Google going now to Dr. TikTok, Dr. YouTube, Dr. Instagram. And there was a recent study that actually showed that, you know, um, about 33% of Americans go to YouTube before talking to a, a healthcare provider about their health concerns. 20% go to TikTok to solve their health issues. 37% turn to influencers for health advice because they think they're more accessible on social media than doctors. And then 50% of Americans have purchased health products after seeing an ad on social media. Now, when we're talking about specifically erectile dysfunction, um, really what we, we did a study where we looked at men's health topics on TikTok and Instagram, and we categorized it and, and looked at the content. And when we're talking about the topic of erectile dysfunction, erectile dysfunction had over the topic itself through multiple hashtags had over 42 million views million with TikTok and over 130,000 posts on Instagram. So erectile dysfunction is a very, very popular topic on social media. Um, and, and what we found in our study that was the concerning part was in general, we, we scored the data um, looking at, you know, the accuracy of the data, who was creating the data. Um, we found that in general, the data was very, very poor. A lot of misinformation was on it. And that's really because only about 10% of this men's health content in general was uh, created by physicians on these platforms. So you're, you're, you have everyone going to social media to get their health information. And yet the information that they're getting 
is terrible and it's not provided by healthcare providers. So this is a really big issue. This is a problem. Okay, so what I'm gathering is that the rate of misinformation on social media platforms is of a you know, very high nature. And again, I think part of this probably goes back to to make it on the first page of a Google search. Um, generally, you have to be of some authority, some basic authority. It right. doesn't mean other people don't. Great get point. There, but to end up in somebody's social media feed at the rate that you know we're all swiping, um, it, it's not that complicated. And uh, with a bombastic enough statement, um, you can end up in a lot of people's feeds, whether it is accurate or not. Correct. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, the threshold to go viral on social media is a lot lower than it is on, uh, you know, a Google search engine optimization, you know, where, where someone's looking you up and all you need to do is just say something crazy. Um, and sex sells, let's be honest, sex really does sell. Yeah. So, you know, to that end, when, in the study that, that you ran, did, did the data get granular? In other words, did you look at like, what are um, influencers, non-medical um, people, like what are they peddling? What are they pushing? What are they claiming? A lot of the peddling was this idea of semen retention. Semen retention was very big. Uh, this concept of, you know, withholding ejaculation uh, would improve your erections, would strengthen your erections, would increase your testosterone levels. Um, that was actually, we did a separate topic uh, search on that. And that that topic actually was the most popular topic. It had over 1 billion with a B views on uh, TikTok. <laughs> so it was by far the most popular topic. Um, and it is not a data-driven topic. There's no data to support any of these things. Um, but, but a lot of their claims were causing erectile dysfunction and things like that. A lot of the erectile dysfunction content was pushing supplements, pushing products, um, uh, devices that, uh, for the most part, we know do not work. Once again, I'm not going to name those pro products right now. <laughs> I'm a, I could go into a log detail list of them and you have that list as well. I know. Um, but, uh, a lot of it is pushing an agenda. It is pushing a product. It is not informing you to inform you or educate you. Okay. So as a doctor, not on the research side, how, what would you say has been the impact from like the patients that you see of the spread of misinformation on these social media platforms? In other words, what kind of questions or what kind of um, ideas or thoughts do patients sometimes bring to you that have clearly been motivated by a non-professional promoting some debunked idea or non-empirically supported idea? Well, I think the biggest thing is people come in, they've had tried several products, they've tr tried several devices, and they say, why the hell didn't this work? Um, you know, they come in, they show me the product, or they show me the supplement, or they show me this issue, uh, or, or they show me something, and I say, how much did you spend on this? And they said, well, I spent a decent amount of money. And I was like, well, how long have you been trying this? Six months or so, and before coming to a doctor. And once again, when you look at that data, 50% of Americans are buying a product on social media ads. So they're spending their money. 
that maybe they don't even have that much money, but they're embarrassed. They don't want to talk about these problems. And we know that this is, it's, it's almost the new men's health clinics, right? That we see pop up or across the country. They don't ask questions. You go in, they give you, you, you pay them money. They get, they try to get you an erection, except in those cases, they often get you an erection here. They're just selling you a product, at least, you know, and is that product going to help you at the end of the day? Probably not. At best, it's going to um, just cost you money. At worst, it's going to delay your care, harm you. Um, but yeah, I would say most of the time, like people come in, they say, does this lifestyle approach or does this dietary thing or does you know this device actually work? I saw it online. I'm willing to do it. And I'm like, I don't even offer this because it doesn't work or I don't provide these services because they don't work. Do patients ever come in at a stage where they are insistent that you give them access to a product or a service that generally you don't provide or make specific suggestions on their diet because, you know, they have off of a social media platform become convinced that you know more than you're willing to tell or um, you're withholding the right kind of treatment? You know, it very rarely happens, but um, I do have a lot of people say like they're convinced that this one thing will change the way that they look at. And, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to these things. Um, I like to break it down very easily. You know, I see some guys, sometimes they come in for optimization, biohacking stuff. And, you know, they're like, listen, um, I'm doing this, 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 right. I like to have a, a couple of drinks every night. I like to, you know, but I like to eat my cake, you know, three times a week and I'm a little overweight, but I'm exercising every day. And I think that this little product is going to make it better. I'm like, well, maybe if you were eating healthy, you weren't drinking excessively every night, you were, you were sleeping better. You know, these are all things that lifestyles can change. And, you know, any of these products are never going to be a solution like a lifestyle changes. And I think if I, I, I try to explain to my patients, like you can buy this product, it's not going to do anything for you, or you can maybe exercise or you can just eat healthier. And I guarantee you, these are going to be longer lasting products. And guess what? Those things are often free. I mean, there is, you know, health deserts and we can always talk about that, you know, with food deserts and, and health, but at least exercise is free. The effort, is the cost. And it's hard for people, especially in America, to say, where's my my fix-it pill? Where's my fix-it product? Um, and I try to convince people that that's just not the way it goes. You know, There's too many factors, especially with erectile dysfunction, that can lead to your erections not working, whether it's heart, nerves, testosterone, mental, relationship. There's so many ways around it that likely one thing's just not going to fix. Yeah. So, so to that end, I'd love to get your, your take on this. As somebody who is active on social media, um, I, I find that for myself, I'm not a, I just don't have that bombastic flair um, because I think one, I'm just not a bombastic person. Um, but number two is I, I really view these conditions, like you were saying before, there's too many factors. It's too complex. I, I don't have the nerve to say, like, it's one thing or if you do this or you need to fix this because I, I feel like that's inaccurate. But it is also very hard to spread that message because it's not what people want to hear, even if it's true. So I'm wondering if if you have to grapple with this wall as well, that it's harder to sell reality than it is to sell 
a figment of a solution to people. It's true. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, though, I'm not a salesman. I'm a doctor. So I have to tell the truth. And um, I think the truth for me, at least, I have to be able to sleep at night, you know, and that's at the end of the day, the way that I practice my medicine. And sometimes it is a specific thing. If you have diabetes and your hemoglobin A1C is 14, which basically you're more sugar than blood, you probably should get that fixed. And that's probably going to be a big factor, you know, but not every person has an easy solution. I sent, I think this week, I sent at least six guys to either a therapist or a psychiatrist for, for mental health issues. This is, and and, you know, it's one of those things that I think people are becoming more aware of that there's many factors involved with erectile dysfunction. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes age can be a component as well. And people don't want to hear that, that you're getting old. Um, so, you know, I think when I'm online and I'm doing stuff, you, especially as a physician, the problem is, you know, when you're not a professional and you're doing this as a salesperson, or whatever, you can just go low, but you don't, you don't win by going low back, you know, right. You know, you go low that you go, you, they go low, you go higher. It's kind of how I go. You know, you, you, you kill them with facts, right? You win with facts. You don't win with flair sometimes. And and that's just the way it is. And I think if you're any rational human being, the lay person, uh, if you, if you have a debate with two people and the debate, one person is putting facts and the other person is like, just saying you're wrong, hopefully, you, you know, the, 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 the common thread there is the facts win. Um, but it can be incredibly, incredibly difficult, especially when, you know, a lot of more vocal, louder people are not the professionals and have a bigger platform. So I think we're in a stage where, and I've, I've been more vocal about this, where we have, we start to really need medical professionals. We have wonderful ones like Rachel Rubin, Ashley Winter, Rena Malik, Kelly Casperson. These are some really wonderful urologists out in the sexual medicine field who are promoting good, accurate information. Um, and, you know, they, if you see them on social media, they take a beating. People go after them. And uh, sometimes you just got to ignore the haters. Yeah, it's so, it's so important. So, like, one of my primary concerns with the social media space is the anecdotal story. Um, you know, so much of what drives, I think, the way that I work, I would assume the way that you work, and most of the medical field is really driven by macro data, and like what makes the most sense. I personally believe that there are, you know, certain people who are going to be the exception to the rule. Happens to be their makeup. Something happened to work for them. Whether it's psycho, whether whether it's a psycho, you know, psychological placebo effect, or right? something, placebo yeah, placebo effect exactly, or um, it happens to just be their body makeup. But they get on their platform and they say, "Oh, you know, my doctor put me through the ringer and blah blah blah, and all I had to do was drink this potion or whatever <laughs> yeah. product may be," and uh, they're, they're out there testifying, and they may be telling the truth that that happened for whatever reason it is to be what preceded some type of improvement for whatever reason it is. But we know on a macro thing that people should not be doing that because that solution could be dangerous for a whole lot of people. But that information goes out there and there's just like something about that anecdote, which I think, again, people who are hungry for a solution can latch onto. How, How does this get combated in an effective way? 
I think, you know, I think those are the hardest ones for a lot of people, especially, you know, the, the average person, because you can relate to that. It's hard sometimes to relate to a doctor or a professional talking about this kind of stuff. Well, you, when you see the man on the street getting on there, he's like, I suffered for 10 years with erectile dysfunction. No doctor could help me. But now, like you said, I took this super water and now my erections are better than ever. I think people relate to that because it's a low hanging fruit product. It's, uh, it's something you don't really have to We're going back to the, the easy solution for uh, the easy potential solution for really the, the harder question that they don't want to ask or, or the question that they don't want really answered or fixed the problem. And I think that that will always be a problem. I, I think that is the biggest red, red flag. I would never tr trust any, you know, personal story account on any social media, except there is an exception here. Um, except if, if you really feel compelled and you think that they are with a healthcare provider or a spe a pro like some professional that is guiding the conversation. You know, you have, you know, we are people who, you know, I have on my podcast, we have a perspective series. I've had guy, uh, guys on who had erectile dysfunction. I've had guys on who had Peyronie's disease. I've guys had on who had prostate cancer. We're guiding the question and we're commenting on their experience and they're in, in, interpreting from a medical standpoint. Because the truth is, and when I've done those when I've done those interviews, not everything they say is accurate, right? Because th they don't understand the medicine 100%. But I'm not going to correct them in that moment because, you know, you, sometimes you have your truth and exactly what you said. Um, but I'm there to comment and kind of guide it into the correct area. So I, I think that there is a place for a personal account because I think especially in men's health, we want guys talking about their problems because our whole goal here on this podcast, our goal in my podcast is to destigmatize these conversations. So there is a really fine line where you do want people telling their story, but there has to be the right context. It has to be the right situation. If every single person goes online and tells their their erection story, it's going to be overwhelming and it's not going to be accurate. But if it's guided by some kind of professional, I think at least you can reel that story in and make it a really valuable teaching tool. Yeah, that's that's a, a really great way of, of putting it, of just having to guide some of those conversations. And, and I've had a similar experience on, on my podcast as well of, you know, people, you know, express opinions and, like, you know, part of the work is, you know, trying to, trying to guide, but also be, you know, respectful, respect, you know, people's opinions right. and stories and whatnot. Um, now, in your experience, because I'm, I'm very new into to the whole concept of social media, really just been podcasting. We're just kind of like stepping out into that world. You've been doing a good job. I've, I'm following. It's good. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a really good team behind me. <laughs> that's, that's the <laughs> truth. They, they ask for my opinions, but they really, like, they're really good at uh, what they do. But um, in, in your experience, how receptive are social media users to corrections about misinformation? So if a professional comes on and comments on one of these more viral, you know, trends or comments, generally in the medical space, but certainly um, in the sexual health space, if a professional like yourself gets on in comments, do people tend to give that credence or is there a lot more flack and pushback and, uh, hating? I think that it goes two ways and neither one of those ways is corrections or clarifications. 
<laughs> I think I think the two ways it goes is either they combat it because you know any controversy is good PR for everyone involved, um, or they just ignore it um, because you know being wrong is also not good. So I think very very rarely, unless it is a true medical professional on social media, have I seen anyone correct or clarify a claim made. Um, why? Because what do they have to lose? You know, are they going to get litigated against? Are they going to get it? No, it's just, it is what it is. So, you know, they're going to make that claim. And if it sells whatever product they want or pushes their agenda for whatever it may be, why, why uh, correct themselves? Why clarify? Um, so, yeah, I think most of the time they're either going to come back at you um, as we've seen uh, recently with the events going on Twitter. And uh, it's been a really interesting time to be on Twitter to see medical information and misinformation for a lot of topics um, being discussed and argued amongst mostly non-medical doc, non-medical professionals with medical professionals. Um, but the point being, I, I think un- very few people apologize. And I think it's an ego thing. I think it's just a culture thing at this point, unfortunately. And I think it's a business decision for many people. And as you say, they almost invite it. They almost invite the controversy and want to amplify it because that's clicks and sells and eyeballs. Um, Hot takes are king. Hot takes are in sports. Hot takes in medicine. Hot takes in health. Hot takes in every single thing. That's what gets the clicks. So, Dr. Newman, I'm going to put you a little bit in a spot, but you opened the door to it. So I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here. You can you can opt out of this question. But this is this is I I don't want to get like political here. But do you have an opinion about like what role should a social media platform play in minimizing the spread of? and, And again, I know this is such a subjective word, but let's say outright like misinformation um, about, you know, medical issues and sexual health. Should the social media platform be involved? I think it's conceptually a nice idea. Is it a realistic option? I don't think it's very possible, right? Like there is so much information out there that I don't know how, you know, I don't know how you just fact check everything. I just don't know how you physically have the people to do it. Maybe AI could do it, but I mean, I think conceptually it'd be nice to live in a world of misinformation, but then we have to categorize what misinformation is to what person, right? We just talked about how papers from 2002 are no longer accurate from 2013. Is that now misinformation? I don't really think so. I think that's an older paper that our knowledge has evolved over the years. So how do we categorize misinformation in these situations becomes very critical. And then then you have a problem of someone's making that decision and then you're going to go after that person for making the decision of what is and what isn't misinformation. So then you have people controlling what is decided to be misinformation and information. So I think conceptually it's a great idea. I have no idea how it could ever, ever be really done. I mean, and that's why. Practically there's no way to police this and monitor it. And like what I'm gathering is that in your opinion, this is going to probably remain the wild, wild west and, you know, people that do have, you know, good, accurate information have to just continue to put it out there and combat this in a way that doesn't fan the flames and create more controversy, bringing more and more eyeballs to um, these notions and ideas that are not really backed by, I'm not even going to say by science, but they're also not backed by actual outcomes. Yes, correct. And, and listen, 
at the same time, people are allowed to have their beliefs. I'm not going to, you know, people can have their beliefs, but as long as you don't pose them on me or pose them on my patients or anything like that, I think that's fine. Right. Like, I think that, you know, we live in the United States. People have their beliefs. They can write things as long as it's not literally like hate speech or, or threats or something like that. You know, if you want to say eating 100 bananas a day cures my erectile dysfunction, go ahead and write that on a tweet. I don't really care. Right. Like it, it's there. there is like so is that going to be banned as misinformation? Like I don't I, I don't really know. Like it, it can get so convoluted that I think if you really try to regulate it to some degree, you can really overregulate or under it can be very convoluted. And I think the main point here is we need outspoken healthcare providers. We need outspoken sex therapists. We need people who are knowledgeable, professional specialists in the field to be a resource online and on social media for accurate, good information, because I think that's the, the real way that we win. Yeah. So, so I think if I'm hearing you correctly, and I'm learning more and more about this myself, which is the, the key factor is trust. And I think yes. if people trust you, they trust your information that what you put out there does become a reliable source and can counter, you know, other people who you know do have a following um, and are putting out you know misinformation. But it really is about just delivering that accurate information you know, consistently to people, so they can really build a trusting relationship with providers on social media. It doesn't mean that they're interacting necessarily with those providers, but they are getting trustworthy information because we got to be out there and spreading that information. Otherwise, like people are going to see and hear other things. I think you brought up a very good point that I do want to highlight here. Um, these social people, doctors on social media, and this is for patients and people interested in, in getting care for things. Doctors on social media are not there to answer your questions. They're not there to answer your individualized health problems. I cannot get you tell you how many messages I get all the time from people asking me about their sexual health problems and how they can fix them. That is not what we are online for. We are there to provide accurate information so that you can make a, a good decision or make an informed decision on a specific topic. At the end of the day, the, the, the providers online are not your provider. If you have a real question or you want to go get care, don't reach out to them. Go reach out to your local provider. That's what we're there for. That's, you know, that's going to be your guide in this process. The information is online and you can use those social media uh, physicians to get good, accurate information. But what you do with that is really going to be going taking that information and talking to your local healthcare providers. I could not have said it better myself. Uh, Dr. Duma, I think that's a great, um, great closing line here for this episode. Again, once again, thank you so much for being with us and, you know, educating even, you know, myself uh, as I'm just getting like a very novice in the uh, social media space, just really beginning to learn about this. I know it's like, I've been living under a rock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's time you're out you're out, I'm out. But like, out. like that's that's where we need to be and and you know i was encouraged to do it because like the information does have to get out there and i'm learning just how big the internet actually is so, <laughs> i do appreciate you know, your time and i appreciate you sharing this with our listeners and hopefully we can get you back um on the podcast for another episode in the future absolutely this was really fun thanks for having me on you guys are doing awesome stuff here thanks 
Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.